A lot of you have been asking me for insomnia treatment options, so I want to let you know I have launched an insomnia treatment course. It's a very structured and effective treatment program with a lot of clinical evidence support. So one course is in Chinese and one is in English. You can find it at deepintosleep.co/insomnia. As a psychologist. One thing I do in my clinical work a lot is to help my clients identify the hope behind the hopeless reality. A lot of my clients really feel desperate, hopeless, and really stuck in their life. And sometimes, by processing it, by discussing it, when we find there are hope to recover. Then our stress will reduce dramatically. Then how to find hope right now under COVID nineteen in stressful situations? Today we have Dr. Elizabeth Gilbert, a social psychologist. She will use her expertise to help us figure out the ins and outs of hope under stressful situations. Welcome to Deep Into Sleep. This is Ishan. Let's hear what she's gonna share with us. Hi, Liz. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Ishan. It's so nice to be here and see you after all these years. I know old times, great times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I know you are doing a lot of research, psychological research. Is that right? Yeah. So right now I'm working at a Startup called Psychology Compass that basically tries to keep on top of research that's relevant to entrepreneurs and business people or anybody else who wants to be more productive and more um, more happy, happier.、Um, so I'm kind of delving into all types of research these days and trying to write it up in a way that regular people like you and me can can learn from and maybe use to improve our lives. That's great. I think the general public really need to understand what researchers find, but in a way that they can understand and、uh, can really observe the information. Thank you. So, I, hope, I hope we're doing that relatively well. <laughs> yeah, that's very important area of work. So I know you are a social psychologist,、mm-hmm. and right now we are all going through the pandemic, and we are all facing the challenge of coronavirus. Right. So in this kind of situation, I feel like a lot of people, like I, at least I hear a lot of people, feel so hopeless. They feel like this is gonna last forever, or、mm. at least for the rest of the year, life gonna stay the same. There's no hope, and they、mm. got really depressed.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm wondering, what do you think about that? Is that、uh, how you feel around you,、oh, or is there any research about that talking about it? Yeah.、Um- So I, I think you're onto something. I mean, this has been a huge event in most people's lives, where your daily routine changed almost overnight.、Um, a lot of people might feel isolated if they're having to stay at home and not see people, so they're not getting the social connection that often leads to happiness and well-being. They might be getting even less exercise, less opportunity to go to social events or church services, or.、Um, Other things in their life that they would usually turn to to sort of bring them joy, even just going out to dinner, you know.、Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so, yeah, it's not surprising to me that a lot of people are feeling more depressed and anxious and down than normal. Um, maybe even having problems focusing on work if they have to work or sort of enjoying time with their family if they have family. Um, and, you know, it's not just you and me saying this. There are several studies finding the exact same thing. Um, so um, one of the studies that's made a big splash over the last couple of weeks is some work by um, Jean Twang and her colleague, um, finding that um, people are reporting anxiety and depression three or more times higher than they were before COVID. Wow. Um, symptoms like not enjoying uh, things in their life as much or feeling stressed out. Um, other surveys like um, the U.S. Census have found similar data where people's uh, anxiety Inc and depression scores increased after COVID and lockdown began. Um, and a lot of that, I think, has to do with people worrying. Like, how long, like you said, how long is this going to go on? Um, how will I, you know, deal with having to homeschool my kids for another six months or, you know, missing my family or, or even worse, um, you know, worrying about their own or their loved one's safety from the virus or perhaps, you know, financial concerns. There's all sorts of just stress going on right now. Um, but <laughs> mm -hmm. you talked a little bit about hope and the need for hope. And I, I'm actually also seeing in the data some good reason to have a little bit of hope about our resiliency. Mm. Um, so specifically, um, even though there seem to be really large hikes in stress and depression um, sort of right after the lockdown started and to the first couple of weeks of April, some of the more recent data is actually showing that on average, people are starting to, to return back to their baselines. So um, you know, they're not quite on average back to where they maybe were in February for their well-being, but they're really starting to get that way. They're, um, one of the words I like to use is sort of the psychological immune system is mm -hmm. starting to kick in for a lot of people where we're beginning to feel a, a sense of normalcy and a sense of, all right, I can get through this. Like it stinks, but but I can handle this maybe a little bit more than like a month ago. That's really good to know that human being, we all have, I really like the word psychological immune system. So we actually have our own resilience for yes. possibly a lot of people, quite a lot of people possibly can uh, got hit and then bounce back after several months. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And when you talk about people really worry about the situation, I totally agree. In the clinical setting, we do see people create more problem for ourselves internally, especially the sense of lack of control mm. and these things that we cannot predict, right? So mm -hmm. things are not controllable, not predictable, that make us more likely to experience anxiety, to feel worried. Absolutely. I think we've been hardwired to 
to want to be able to predict our worlds, right? I mean, uh-huh. uh, we're lucky now that most of our life is taken care of, but our ancestors many, many millennia ago uh, needed to be able to predict where the tigers were, right? <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and, and so we have that need to sort of understand our world. And right now, we're beginning to maybe start to understand it again, but it definitely um, was tough for a while and still can be tough. I mean, I, we still don't know when this is all going to be over. Right. I feel like possibly no one can predict what's going to happen next step, next month, mm-hmm. even like several months. But for the control part, is mm-hmm. that really fully rely on the external world? Or is there a way for us as human beings to regain some of this sense of control uh, under this kind of global pandemic? Absolutely. You're such a good clinician, Ishan. Of course, there are ways we can um, gain a sense of control. So in psychology, we might talk about internal and external locuses of control or loci of control. Um, And there are individual differences, right? So some people just generally feel like things are out of their hands, uh, for better or worse. Uh, They don't control much. Other people kind of feel like they can control everything if they just put in enough effort. Um, There might be cultural differences there, too. I think Westerners in particular, compared to maybe East Asian countries, um, tend to believe that we can control everything. Mm. and so when something like this happens and suddenly we can't control things, it's, it's particularly jarring, perhaps. Um, but, um, you know, we can learn ways, regardless of your own sort of natural predisposition, we can learn some ways to sort of work with what we can and cannot control. Um, you and I talked uh, briefly once uh, recently about just being able to identify you know, right. what you can and cannot control can be really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so there's this old, um, I think it's called the serenity prayer, an old saying in, um, in some circles, uh, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, um, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. But that wisdom to know the difference can be really hard, Right. Right. Um, But that is something you can sort of work on if you try to identify things like you probably cannot control, um, you know, what happens to the U.S. economy. But maybe you can control a little bit about your own pocketbook, right? Perhaps you can start saving money just in case it goes on longer than, than hoped. Maybe you could look into even getting an extra job just in case you're worried you might lose your current job. Um... Maybe you could even, you know, call the bank and see, hey, can you delay some of my loans? I know that, at least here in the U.S., uh, the government has done a few programs to sort of help people out. And educating yourself about the things you can control might help you regain some of that sense of control. Um, and then, of course, um, there's some middle ground, too, I think, um, where Maybe there are some things you cannot control per se. Maybe you can't 100% control whether you get sick. Sure, you can wear a mask and take precautions to socially distance, but there's always a chance, right? Somebody's going to cough on you or you're just going to have bad luck and get sick. Um, But you can control to a certain extent how you even respond to that, 
right? You can have a plan in place for what will happen if you get sick um, or what will happen if you lose your job or have a big pay cut. Um, And sometimes just making those plans in advance, even before the bad thing happens, can can, uh, be helpful to alleviating some of that anxiety. Yes, yes, that totally makes sense. And I really like that. It's no matter what kind of situation we are in, we possibly can always look inside, look around us to figure out what are some steps actually we are able to do. We possibly mm-hmm. still have some options. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you're always, well, I don't want to say always, but you are often in control of your attitude, right? Mm. And um, I mean, as a social psychologist, I have to acknowledge the situation can make a huge difference in people's lives, right? Mm. You can be dealt a a bad hand. Can I say crappy on your podcast? I'm not sure. But you can be (laughs) dealt a really bad hand. Uh Bad luck just exists, right? Sometimes bad things happen to good people. Sometimes things are just out of your control. But you almost always can control how you respond to that bad luck, at least to a certain degree, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. When we talk about control, is there any varieties among different populations, not necessarily ethnicity or across different countries? What can help us be aware of our control or our options more than other populations? So there's actually um, an article that just came out It's by a couple of researchers um, named Yang and Ma who looked at well-being in China right after uh, coronavirus. And what they found um, is like we were talking about, there's some factors that maybe are out of people's control, right? So Mm -hmm. people who were closer to Wuhan, people who had more people in their lives um, who got sick, um, those people in general felt worse. They had lower, they reported lower well-being as you'd imagine. Mm -hmm. But even among those people, um, the ones who educated themselves about the virus more, or at least who felt like they understood the virus more, they kept up on the research and they sort of knew what was happening around them, who had that sense of just understanding, those people were partially protected. Um, their anxiety scores and their depression scores were lower than people who really felt like they didn't understand any of what was going on. So that to me suggests that simply educating yourself, um, sort of knowing how things are working and what's going on out there can at least sometimes help you feel more in control. Um, and I, oh, I should say, they actually specifically linked that sense of understanding and education to feeling a sense of control, which in turn buffered those people and made those people feel a little less anxious, a little mm-hmm. less depressed. Um, so that's one possibility. And it sort of fits into what we were talking about before about, you know, regain the sense over what you can control. Maybe you can't control whether your mother gets sick, but you can probably control whether you spend a little time doing research on how to, you know, help your mother or what steps you can take to, um, you know, prevent the disease as much as you can, that kind of a thing. Right. I know even after the COVID in China, there are several small books, booklets come out to Ah. talk about when 
when family member got sick, what are some strategies you can use to help the other family yeah. members live within the same household or nearby from uh, getting infected while、okay. you are taking care of that family member? So.、Uh, When you talk about that, I was thinking this is one method, right? If you look for those resources and try to apply those strategies, it actually is an option how you deal with the situation,、mm-hmm. which can be helpful. Absolutely, and it's funny. I'm, I imagine those pamphlets were designed just to help with physical health, right? Just、uh-huh. to stop you from catching COVID. But I bet you're right that it also probably gave people a little bit of psychological peace to. Sort of feel like they they were doing the right thing and、um, educating themselves to 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 handle the situation as well as as possible. Right, exactly. What、well, you mentioned that、uh, reminded me of a new paper coming out、um, like this year, actually、uh, after COVID, and written by several psychologists ac- across the world. I think it's more possibly clinical psychologists,、uh, but they are talking about this information knowledge. How、yeah. much people want to know of information, like the pamphlet you just mentioned, sounds like if people are aware of it and can apply it, it possibly can help both physical and mental health. But they, in that article, they also talk about knowing too much versus、yes. not knowing. But knowing how much information, it can actually regulate our anxiety level. Feels like not knowing at all, but and knowing too much somehow it's not that helpful to us. <laughs> you got to find the sweet spot in the middle, right? <laughs> yeah, and that makes some sense to me, right? Because if you know a little bit, maybe that helps provide you a sense of control. But if you know a ton, it might mean that you're spending all your time thinking about COVID and researching COVID, and that's probably not good either, right? Like,、mm-hmm. you probably don't want to become obsessed with learning everything you can about this.、Um, I know I did that in the beginning, and it was very bad for my mental health.、Um, it's been very good for me to sort of cut back on, on, on the social information about it and the the research, and sort of limit it to maybe an hour a day. I'm allowed to read about it, but no more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. I think I heard a lot of people at the beginning,、uh, include a lot of people I know,、mm-hmm. because they read so much and because there's so many mixed information, fake、yes. ones, real ones, not so sure, and、yes. then people get insomnia, people sleep got really bad. Yes. Oh yes, I think it was a turning point in my. My ability to handle the pandemic when I made the decision that I would not look at the news right before bed.、Mm. You know, you're you're you know the sleep research. I shouldn't be looking at the news, even in the best of times, right before bed. But cutting it out、um, really did allow my mind to calm down a bit. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I totally agree. Yeah, around that time, I also told a lot of people. I think I even had an episode out talking about how to really contain those、mm-hmm. news reading, information gathering during the very early stage of COVID, which、mm-hmm. definitely caused a lot of problem because we all have the impulsivity and the fear, and we want to know.、Mm-hmm. We feel like kind of we feel like the more we know, the safer we feel.、Mm-hmm. But then it's just a rabbit hole. Exactly.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I I remember one concept is、uh, learn helplessness. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people, even myself, before not 
COVID related, but you know, I try so hard to do something, but somehow it does not get somewhere. And I feel like I drain all my resources. And then I would feel like, oh, I'm learned helpless right now. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, I think that means you're human. Uh, (laughs) I mean, yeah, learned helplessness. Um, Classic finding, right? In in psychology, um, the basic finding there is that if you try really hard at something, uh, work hard to get something, and then you don't get it, um, and that happens a lot, or you know, at least several times over time. You can begin to think, "Oh, I can't control the outcome. It's just always going to be bad, no matter how hard I try." Right? It's this sort of loss of control in a very negative way. It's not like, "Oh." good things are happening to me. It's, you know, it's generally associated with you're helpless to, to make things better. Um, but I think even Seligman's research um, found that if you can sort of teach people that just because you fail sometimes and your actions don't always lead to the outcomes that you want, doesn't mean that they're always going to fail, right? So I think he, he generally finds you know, if you can teach people that this isn't going to last forever, there will be times when when things get better and um, sort of the bad stuff will go away eventually. Um, and then we'll have some good luck. Some, some of their efforts will eventually pay off. Um, and if you can sort of get that mindset into people, if you can also teach people that they do have control over some things, right? Like just because you failed in one context doesn't mean that you're an utter failure and it defines you. It just means you failed in that one context. There are probably all sorts of other things you'll succeed at if you try. Um, And that sort of mindset is actually set up, I think, the whole field of positive psychology, right? That's been so big these last couple of decades is how do you teach people to overcome learned helplessness and instead create these more optimistic, hopeful mindsets of um, you can do many things if you try hard enough. Um, Good things will potentially happen to you if you keep working on them. Um, And failure, even repeated failure in one context doesn't mean you're a failure in everything. It doesn't define you. That is a hard thing to learn, you know, when I mean, it stinks to try really hard and, and to fail, mm-hmm. and especially to do so over and over. Um, mm-hmm. But then you look out and you see lots of people failed a lot early on, um, and you got to sort of remind yourself, this isn't going to last forever. Um, we will eventually figure out what we're good at. <laughs> yeah. I think changing our mindset can be so powerful, but at the same time, so hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of people tend to be catastrophizing. Yes. And think about the worst of the worst scenario very quickly. And for uh, Dr. Sligman's work, at least uh, I know I see a lot of people clinically who are very uh, pessimistic. Right. Mm-hmm. So like what he mentioned, what you mentioned, the research, I think they are they tend to explain things more internally, mm-hmm. more permanent, mm-hmm. and feels like it's it's generalized to everything in their lives. Yes. And then when if we can really help them or encourage people to look inside and realize those patterns, sometimes I think just be aware. That all mm-hmm. oh, I'm explaining things in this way, and this mm-hmm. caused a lot of suffering in me, in myself. 
and maybe that would start getting some motivation for them to think, oh, what else can I do? If mm-hmm. you know the thing around me is still the same thing, why it trigger me, not other people? Then can I change the way I look at it? Mm-hmm. And they possibly can feel a little bit more hopeful. Yeah, I hope so too. And this is, that reminds me of, um, of an educational researcher I, I listened to recently who was saying this is a great time because that sort of pessimistic thinking is, is so common. This is a great time maybe if you have children to sort of teach them that they can get through this, this time. Um, this could almost be a, a learning opportunity, I think, for a lot of people. Maybe I'm being a Pollyanna here, but, you know, maybe a chance to teach your children. Look, one way to look at this situation is it's horrible. It's always going to be horrible. There's nothing we can do about it ever, you know. But another way to look at it is to say, look, it stinks for right now. It's not working out. We're having to, you know, you can't go to camp this summer. You can't see your friends. Um, We can't go to your ballet classes or soccer games or what have you. And it stinks. Mm -hmm. But you're strong enough to get through this and it's temporary. It's going to eventually get better. Um, and you can maybe even create some new lines of things that make you happy, right? Like maybe you can take up art at home or my son is suddenly developing a love for water outside. I mean, you know, maybe you can come up with some other activities, um, and figure out some other things so that it's not this overwhelming, all encompassing, thing that you've lost control over, but you can maybe develop some, some new good things out of this even. I really like it to uh, shift this or use this opportunity as an opportunity to really develop or guide attention to something else, especially when we deal with children. I think our own mindset, how we view things mm-hmm. matters possibly much more important because we are not only impacting ourselves, we are impacting children, mm-hmm. family members around us. And children, they don't know much. They feel sad. They cannot go to school. They cannot hang out with friends. And like how they view this situation then going to be hugely impacted by how parents view that. Right. Yeah. So I really like this, this, this strategy you're talking about itself. It's so positive that, well, let's use this as a learning opportunity, what we can do, what we can explore. Let's mm-hmm. just all be so curious about yeah. the normal things around us. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that that even reminds me of uh, is, and it seems so obvious in retrospect, but I grew up in a rural place in southern Illinois. And all summer, I would sometimes go without seeing people, <laughs> you know, because, because I just lived far away from people and I, you know, couldn't drive. My parents worked. I was basically at home by myself um, with my parents for pretty much the whole summer. And I was not traumatized by that. Yeah, I got bored. Um, I probably watched a little too much TV, but, but I survived and I'm, you know, moderately well adjusted. So I think our <laughs> children can, can survive too. Yeah, that's very important, good point for, I think, all the parents to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And even as adults, right? I survived mm-hmm. when I was eight. I can survive when I'm, you know, 
28 or 38 or 58. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Actually, in clinical psychology, we talk about that. Well, when you face a current challenge, think about did, did this kind of thing or similar situations happen to you before? How did you cope with it before? Yeah. If you somehow figure out a way to cope with something you're facing right now, like similarly before, then you possibly going to be able to do it again. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that goes back to the control thing, right? To mm-hmm. realizing that you can handle this. Yeah. So there are so many ways for us to really realize there actually could be control. We can find a sense of control, possibly no matter what, if we really look, we really pay attention to that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. So at the end of the show, uh, I'd like to ask the, the guests, you know, if there's uh, all the people are listening, are trying to learn more about this kind of information to learn a way to help themselves, what is one thing you really want um, people to know or one thing you really want pass out and uh, let people uh, be aware of oh, regarding gosh. today's topic. Possibly a oh, hard that's question. A, <laughs> that is a very hard question that I wish I could impress on people is you can get through this. Um, in the worst case, you'll get assistance from other people and you might have some hard times ahead of you, right? You might need to um, spend some time in the hospital or um, figure out what resources your community has if you've lost your job, that kind of thing. But even if the worst thing you imagine happens to you, you can get through this. And you might even be a little stronger and have a little increased well-being at the, begin- at the end of it, uh, knowing that, that you're a survivor. And, you know, together we can all get through this. Love it. Keep right. the hope up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much, Liz, for sharing all this wonderful research with us. And I'm sure at least this gave me hope. And I hope this gave other audience hope and uh, encourage them to look for sense of control in their life. Oh, I hope so too. And it's always a pleasure to chat with you, Yishan. You are so thoughtful and um, I'm so thankful for the work you're doing out there. How people can find you. Do you have oh, a website? Where we is your do. blog? We have a website for Psychology Compass. It's just psychologycompass, one word, C-O-M-P-A-S-S dot com. Um, and like I said, we've got free resources. We also have some subscription resources if you want to get more in depth. And um, you're, you can also read, I've got some writings on uh, Psychology Today and um, yeah, I hope to be updating my blog soon with more writings. And if people want to read uh, the articles you are writing for Psychology Today and other places, they can just search your name, Elizabeth Gilbert, right? Yes. They will find you. Yeah, they might also find that our author, Elizabeth Gilbert. But if you put in psychology or psychology compass, um, I should pop up. <laughs> okay, so, but that make your name very easy to remember. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much, Liz. Thank you so much, Ishan. Take care. Be well. Be hopeful. (laughs) You too. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye. A lot of times, when we feel hopeless, when we feel like we cannot control anything, when we feel really stuck in our life, 
we are under quite a lot of stress, and of course that will impact our sleep, our life, our relationship, and everything. In psychology, there is a concept called radical acceptance. That means try to control what we are able to control, and try to work on what we can change. And try to accept those that we cannot control. So hopefully today's conversation with Dr. Gilbert bring more hope to you all. If you want to find more information about the resources she mentioned and to read more about her, you can go to our show note at deepintosleep.co/episode/zero-three-eight. Thank you for coming to Deep Into Sleep. This is Ishan. I will see you next week. Sleep is an individual thing. We all sleep differently, and there is so much we can do to improve sleep quality. Keep hope and carry on. This podcast is for general informational purpose only and does not include the practice of medicine or other health professional services. Usage of the information we share is at the listener's own risk, and our content does not intend to be a substitute for any medical and professional services, diagnoses, and treatment. Please seek professional health services as needed. Are you suffering from insomnia? I promise you, the CBTI method in my course will definitely help you. Even if several nights of better sleep, that would be a world-changing experience for you. I have had so many success from my insomnia patients who have taken this course over the years. If you know someone who are struggling with sleep, Go to my website and check out my course at deepintosleep.co/insomnia.